This is Sean Doolittle of the Oakland A's, and you're listening to the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Let me tell you what I'm going to do today. I had the great pleasure of talking on the phone with former... Cardinal, Giant, and Tiger outfielder Larry Herndon. He was a player who played with a lot of terrific players over the years and was part of one of the great teams of the 1980s, being the world champion Tigers in 1984. We had an interesting conversation. This is part one of our conversation. We talked about his early days coming up through the St. Louis Cardinals organization, but first and foremost about when he emerged as an effective big leaguer with the San Francisco Giants. We talked a little bit about Candlestick. We talked a little bit about some of his teammates and other things. And there were some interesting names that he brought up of some of the people he played with. So this is part one of my conversation with Larry Herndon. Uh, I'm recording this. I'm in the Bay Area, and I was actually just at uh, I was just at AT&T Park, so the, the home of the Giants, which is a uh, year old home there for what was it? Yeah, six or seven years was well, is gone now. <laughs> it's flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I drove by last year. Yeah, uh, the year before I drove by, I didn't want to look over there because they were talking about tearing it down. I think uh, part of it was torn down and. Uh, this year it was all. I mean, this past uh, October it was all gone. Yeah. Uh, but the new place is just beautiful. I love AT AT and T. It's a beautiful ballpark. Oh, I I this is this is not me being biased about living here. I think it's the best ballpark in the country. I think it's it has all the the everything you want from a modern park, and it fits perfectly in. You know, but right. I, I went to many a game, especially in my high school years, many a game at the stick. And uh, uh-huh. not sure if I'm nostalgic for it because it wasn't a great place to see a game, but it was. Uh, right. Yeah. But it's nostalgic. What, what was it? I'm, I guess I'm not even starting at the beginning there. I'm just curious because you you played there and you played with some, I'll just say some interesting teams <laughs> with some interesting yeah. people there. What What are your 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 best memories of your your Giants days with like the like the Madlocks and McCoveys and the Vita Blues of the world? Well, that was the, probably uh, probably the highlight of it because we didn't, uh, you know, we wasn't playoff caliber, bro. I really, I was around with some really, really good, good people, mm-hmm. uh, some good players, and very helpful people because I was pretty young. It was my first six years of uh, big league baseball, and I was really treated well by those guys you just named, Mac, or, uh, Willie Montanez, or Randy Moffitt. I mean, they sort of raised me, and uh, Gary Matthews, I can't take him out because he was oh, yeah. the first guy that uh, grabbed me and uh, took me on his wing and uh, taught me. But uh, I played with some really, really uh, good people out there. I mean, we, we, like I said, we wasn't the playoff caliber, but those guys played hard. They was really a uh, mix of really good ball players. So, you know, I had a good time out there. It was a very good experience. I love my dancing. 
Yeah, I mean, you play. I mean, I'm just looking at. I have the the '78 team, which was actually which was a really good team. That won 89 games, and not quite as good as the Dodgers, but you know, you had Montefusco on that club, and Vida right. Blue, and Gary Lavelle. Right. I mean, it was there. There was a, that was a stacked for a, for a team that did make the playoffs, and Jack Clark, and you were there, yeah. and and Darrell Evans, and Madlock, and McCovey. I mean, that was. Yeah. That was that's a lot of talent in one squad. That's a lot of talent. We we yeah, that's a really good squad. It it really was. It was really fun playing with those guys, and we were right in that thing all, all the way to the end. Very exciting year right there. Man, Madlock is one of those players that you know I he always was in my baseball card pack no matter what. And yeah, but where man, I I have a special spot in my heart for the '79 Pirates because that's the first World Series I watched. And he was on that yeah. squad, and so I, I, whenever I see Madlock, I kind of like had this huge grin on my face because I just knew that he <laughs> was he was a great player, and he played with you in Detroit, right? Yes, I played with him in Detroit in '87. We won a division together. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that uh, in, in a second because I got a thousand questions to ask you about the '87 Tigers, but I want oh, okay. I want to get my Giants questions out of the way there. You played with yeah. Willie, you played with Willie Mack. I mean, that's the thing I want to know about. I mean, Willie McCovey. If you yeah. if you're going to write a list of like the ten most beloved players in San Francisco, not just Giants, but like Forty ers Warriors, everything. Right. McCovey is on that list with the Mazes yeah. and the Montanas and the Buster Poseys of the world. What was he? What what memories do you have of him as a teammate, as one of the great all time Giants? Well, he was obviously a great, great player. Even, you know, in the last couple of years, just a fantastically great player. Right. Uh, just bring fear to a pitcher. You just had a lot of faith when he walked to that mound. That something big was about to happen here. He just had that stature. He, but he was just a really uh, uh, a great man, you know, like a brother, father figure type guy. I mean, just strength. Uh Genuine, you know, uh, great heart. Uh, he taught me, taught all of us well, you know, how to carry yourself. I mean, he was the ultimate example, you know, uh, around being around him. I just love being around him. I still love him as a person. He's a great man. Yeah, and, and he led by, I mean, even at age 39, he was still hitting 28 home runs. He still got some MVP votes. Think about that. Hit. Yes, yes, yeah. In the last couple of years, he was still hitting the ball over the wall. Like I said, he was just a force in the middle of the lineup until he got ready to retire. I mean, he was—he still had, I mean, he brought that fear to the other team. Uh, but he was uh, really fun to play with. He brought a lot to our team when he came back from San Diego. Uh, it, it was just, you know, you, 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 you knew he had that love for San Francisco. He was San Francisco. You know, yeah. he walked that walk, and uh, I think we all picked that up. And, uh, you know, we sort of learned from, from him how to be a giant and how to be a true giant. Uh, it, it meant a lot being around it. And it says a lot that they named the, the Willie Mack Award after him for not just the, you know, not necessarily the best player on the team, but the one who exempt, who's like the – I guess the the best teammate, community service, the best citizens sort of award is named after him, which you won, I yeah. believe. I won the second one. Jack Clark won the first one. Mm-hmm. I was right in there at number two. Okay. Uh, very. Uh, I mean, I was. It's, it's a great honor. 
because it's voted on by your teammates, right? Which is a big deal, you know. Uh, but like I, like you said, it sort of it uh, exemplifies giant, you know, what it, what it meant, means to be a giant, and uh, you know, like carrying yourself like a San Francisco giant every day, I guess. So it really meant a lot to me to be, be a part of that and uh, get that award. All right, I got, uh, especially with my name on it. I got to ask you this because this is just, you played the outfield. You were primarily a center fielder for the right. Giants during those years. And Candlestick is notorious for being, at least as a fan, I used sitting out there in the left field bleachers and I would watch good quality outfielders like Chili Davis trying to chase down fly balls and, and have a difficult time at it. Would, do you have any was it a was it as much of a nightmare as I thought it was, or is it something that you developed how to do trying to play the outfield where the wind was just insane it was it was insane i guess that that's a good, that's a good word for because it could blow one way in the infield and blow another way or two different ways in the outfield yeah. uh I don't know it just hit those stands and you get just you had to go out every Every inning, between innings, and throw up, you know, they teach us how to throw the grass up or, you know, throw some dust or whatever you could get, throw it in there to see which way. You had to check that win every inning because it would change from inning to inning. But the thing I remember playing the outfield there is like you couldn't take an inning off. I mean, you got to concentrate. You got to put yourself on defense. You got to forget about your offense and get right back to defense or else, you know, you could – be made to look really, really bad. I've seen, you know, some things where you take off a ball, you know it's going to be in the outfield, and you end up the second baseman catching it. It's like, <laughs> whoa, I know that ball is right at me. And uh, it was just some strange things happen with the wind out there. So you really had to uh, – it taught me to be a better outfielder because, like I said, you couldn't take any time off out there mentally. You had to be in the game and, you know, ready to play defense, uh, you know, every time you walked out there. I saw Willie McGee. Who, Willie McGee may have been one of the best defensive outfielders I ever saw play, at least saw play in person. And I saw him taking routes for the ball like you would think he'd never played baseball before because he runs in and he has to run back and he's zigging around. Yeah. And this is not some yeah. kid who's never played before. This is Willie freaking McGee. You know? McGee, right. And yeah. even he couldn't make, a, make his catches there. So. I guess after that, that you know, playing the outfield in Detroit must have been like a walk in the park. Oh, it was really, really a pleasure to get there. Good Lord, because it was, uh, you know, enclosed. Yeah. So you didn't get that wind effect. I mean, a counting was enclosed, but then you had that big space in, in uh, you know, deep left field where those stands would go out there. And right. then you had the enclosed, really short, I mean, you know, the stands right behind the right field. So you had a big old difference there. And then you had that mountain that came over there where that wind would come over the top of that, I don't know if you call it a mountain or a hill or whatever, right behind it. Right. And that wind would come back over the top of there and hit. So you didn't really know where the wind was blowing, but uh, Detroit was enclosed. So you got a constant wind. That was times You just really didn't feel the wind or the effects of the wind until the ball went up above, uh, you know, the stadium level. Yeah. So it was really a pleasure playing in there uh, after playing the Calistic. Like I say, it was. I learned a lot from playing in Candlestick, so it did make it uh, a lot easier to play the outfield in Detroit. Was it a tough place to hit? I mean, I have your I have your 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 stats up in front of me, 
And you can just see that when you even just look at your power numbers, your home run numbers, how they just skyrocketed when you went to Detroit as opposed to, you know, playing in San Francisco where, I mean, you, it, you put up some good numbers in San Francisco, but like your power numbers and your, your like your doubles and everything it were got so much better the minute you got to Detroit. Was that a ballpark thing or was that just uh, adjusting to the different pitchers or what was it like to hit there? Well, that was sort of a, by design, you know, to kind of hit. I sort of made, and there, nobody asked me to do this. You know, it, 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 that it, it's not that I didn't have power in mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco, but I was more of a runner and a defensive guy when I got there. I was skinny, and so I came out of St. You know, the St. Louis Cardinal organization, where I was taught, you know, the line drive, you know, using the whole field. Right. And I got traded from uh, St. Louis to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of kept my line drive approach because I really wanted to get on base and be a table setter for, you know, true power hitters. We had, you know, guys that were built for power hitting. Right. So I didn't want to go and try to be something that I weren't. Right. I knew I was a good line drive hitter, so I just continued that. When I got to Detroit, I grew a little more. I mean, I was a little stronger. Mm-hmm. And I was put in a position where, okay, you're going to hit – sometimes third against left-handers and fourth and fifth. And uh, why not use your power? So then I just sort of developed a little uh, lift to my swing, and I got more out of it. I'm sure I could have uh, tried that in San Francisco, but with that win, I mean, yeah. you could hit balls, I mean, just crush balls, and it'll go right up in the air. And if you didn't have the sort of George Foster strength, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on a daily basis, it, it would just it would crush you. You know, you'd end up with a – you know, a 210 average, and, and just I just couldn't live with myself doing that. And I didn't want to strike out a lot. So it was by design. I really wanted to be a line drive guy and try to help the team as much as I could on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think of that because I look at, the like, and you were playing with someone like, obviously, Daryl Evans was a great power hitter, and Jack Clark right. was a great power hitter, and Willie Mack was yeah. there, and Mike Ivey could still uh-huh. hit it out. So, yeah, I, right. I guess that's not your role on the team. That wasn't my role. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, I always tried to be about winning. You know, whatever it took to win ball games. I didn't really, I, you know, my stats really didn't care that. I mean, didn't care that much about right. my stats. I could have probably, if I wanted to look up and see myself hitting 15 to 20 home runs a year, I could probably have did it, you know, with the, uh, with roll ballparks and all. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to try to help us every day. So that was by design. I tried to be a line drive guy in San Francisco or I have up here. I, I, I tried to find your, your – I found the box score of your first ever major league game, which was on September 4, 1974. Um, and I actually had totally forgotten that you had played for St. Louis. I forgot I, I had forgotten you came up as a as a Cardinal. You were drafted by – were you drafted by them out of, out of college? Yeah. I was drafted out of high school by the Cardinals. Oh, okay. And um, you came up pretty quick through their system – and I don't know if you remember your first game, <laughs> but uh, you came in as a pinch runner for a player who <laughs> gave me an autograph when I was eight years old. So I always loved him, Jim <laughs> Dwyer. Yeah. But you, you look at this. You looked at the box score of that Cardinal game you played on, and the the cross section of names <laughs> that appeared in this game, besides you and Mr. Dwyer, you had Lou uh, Brock, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, you had Ted Simmons, who probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. 
Ted Sizemore was a great player. Reggie Smith, right. Joe Torre, yeah. another Hall of Famer. Yeah. Bake McBride, Jose, right. a young Jose Cruz, who I forgot Cruz, played for the yeah. Cardinals as well. Al Roboski. This is an amazing box score of just people in some <laughs> random game against the Expos. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fantastic team. They were in the playoffs that, that that September when I got called up. That's why one of the reasons I got one at bat because it was really tight all the way to the last day, I believe. Yeah. But uh, that was a pleasure, you know, because I got to go to spring training with them the year before and to be in that clubhouse with all those great players, you know. And you got to think about that uh, Bob Gibson was on that staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just some fantastic people in that uh, in that clubhouse. I mean, you talk about examples. Man. Well, if you if you're a well, fast that was a great. If you're a fast outfielder and you're on a team with Lou Brock, I mean, it doesn't get much <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that. He's the he's the gold no. standard. Right. Yeah. Oh, he taught us so much. And then that was Jerry Mumphrey that was with me. He was just as fast as I was. And then you got Bacon and like you said, Jose. All these guys to run. Yeah, we had a slew of really good outfields at that time. And uh, that's how I ended up in San Francisco the next year. So you got when you were coming up to the Cardinal organization. Who were some of the people that you remembered, either playing with or coaching you, that were kind of like were the ones that you know got you lined up for what turned out to be a really wonderful major league career? Well, you know the great George Tissel, without a doubt, because he was coming in outfield and hit your ground balls until you get his. <laughs> You knew what to do with a ground ball and a fly ball. Uh, but he taught us real well. Um, that were, wow, that was a lot of guys. Uh, it's really hard to name them. But yeah. playing, I mean, played around and with Keith Hernandez was there at the time. Uh, Kenny Reese was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, Marfrey was my roommate. And uh, uh, the Cruz brothers, all three Cruz brothers were there. Uh we had a, just a uh, Mark Hill who played with the Giants for a while. He was uh, a teammate of mine. Uh, uh, Borsch, Bob Forsch. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. It was a lot of really fantastic ball players, uh, you know, in that organization at the time that I, you know, you just, I don't know. It was good competition. You just had to, you had to stand up and be a good player. Uh you just so rattled off about up. 11 major leaguers right there. I mean, it's people who are yeah. remember. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, – and I'm, I'm sure that I'm forgetting quite a few of them, but uh, it was a lot of really good uh, uh, players at that time that, uh, you know, you learn from and, you know, being around them. And like you said, some of those big league guys, you know, you'd meet them and talk to them, and they always had uh, time to talk to you and give you some pointers. And, and every – I remember every uh, – Every instructional league, they would have somebody come down and, you know, spend a week or two with us. I remember uh, uh, Tim McCarver coming down, mm-hmm. who was in that clubhouse also. Uh, I remember uh, uh, Ted Simmons coming down, and uh, Bay came down. Uh, Lynn McLaughlin came down. Oh, yeah. uh, but it, we had a group of guys, or two or three years that I spent in the instructional league. You always had big leaguers around you teaching. So it was just a. Uh, it was a great experience being a Cardinal. I hated not being a Cardinal in the big leagues for a long time. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I enjoyed my time in St. Louis. 
Didn't you? And I may have, I may have been, I may have read something wrong here. But didn't you play with Randy Macho Man Savage too? Wasn't he a minor leaguer with you? Or am I, am I getting? Yes, he was. He surely was. Those were the early days. I mean, that was me, Moffrey, mm-hmm. me, Gary Moffrey, Leon Lee, who was Leon Lee's brother, Lee's brother, uh, uh, and uh, and Randy. Uh, were roommates. You know, we had this house, uh, or we had a. There was times we'd have a a double uh, apartment. One 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 of us, two of us live upstairs, two downstairs. Sometimes we get a place big enough where all four of us could live. But Randy was a part of that group, and he was uh, just a fantastic man. What, uh, what position did he play? What, what did he play? He was a catcher. He started out as a catcher. Really? Uh, yeah, he started out as a catcher uh, and a, and a very a switch hitting catcher. Mm-hmm. You know, with power. Uh, I don't know about his time, what it was, they wanted to switch him to first base, and he ended up playing more first base later on, but he was a catcher early and a good one. Right. Uh, just a hard-nosed, you know, just what, what he was in the ring. <laughs> just a tough, hard-nosed guy, but, I mean, just a very cool and fair guy. I mean, this was 1971 to 2-3, and, you know, in the South, and he was the only guy, white guy, with all us. And we were all black guys living in areas and hanging out and eating and going to eat together. And he was just normal, cool, wonderful man. So that, that describes Randy. He was just a cool, wonderful man. Fair, you know. That's great to hear. Yeah. Thank you, Larry Herndon. You know, I was expecting you know, Vita Blue and Willie McCovey, but man, Randy Macho Man Savage, to have him be a teammate, that's an interesting story. Well, Get Ready Part 2 is going to be coming up soon, where we're going to be talking about playing for the world champion Tigers in 1984. Go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. Visit Pass Pros on Twitter, at Pass Pros, where you can see and connect with some other terrific Major League players, including Larry Herndon. Um, you can go to sellbaseball.wordpress.com, like me on Facebook, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at sellbaseball.com. Music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, and I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.